Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Cipriano. This is the fifth Enduring Greatness podcast. The Enduring Greatness series examines how superintendents are preserving and modernizing terrific classic golf courses. Our guest on this episode is Nick Lerner, the longtime superintendent at Bonnie Briar Country Club, a Devereaux Emmett design in a golf-rich part of Westchester County, New York. We feature Nick and his work in a recent edition of Golf Course Industry Magazine, and this podcast is the audio complement to that story. We had a great chat with Nick about Bonnie Breyer, his longevity at the club, and a tool that has helped him handle current labor realities. Before we get going with Nick, a message from Toro, our partner for the Enduring Greatness series. Two things Toro pros hate, leaking oil down the stretch and their caddy having to quiet spectators. Golf course maintenance pros are the same, except they worry about literally leaking hydraulic oil and waking up the neighbors with early morning mowing routines. Toro's new Greenmaster E-Triflex series riding greens mowers solve both problems. The engine generator model is amazingly quiet in operation, while the lithium-ion battery model is virtually silent. Both E-Triflex models carry no hydraulic fluid on board using all-electric components for traction, steering, lift, and cutting. This means not only are the potential leaks a thing of the past, but noise complaints are too. Follow at ToroGolf on Twitter and reach out to your local Toro distributor to schedule a demo. Now under our conversation with Nick. Well, Nick, thanks for joining the podcast. It's great to have the opportunity to chat again. I had a wonderful visit at Bonnie Briar. And the first thing I want to ask you is you started at Bonnie Briar Country Club in late October of 2003. Tell our listeners about what you did on your first day on the job. Guy, uh, thanks for having me, first of all. It was a pleasure to spend the day with you. Uh, and, and enjoy the, the course and what we've done. So, yeah, my first day was probably very rare compared to most superintendents. I uh, was involved in a double drill and fill on all of Bonnie Briar's putting surfaces. So, and that took, you know, three to four days to complete. So it was a difficult way to start. But uh, really what I want to explain is that prior to my arrival, the course had been ignored for many years. So the, the playing surfaces overall were really in poor condition. The club had been sold to, a, uh, to be developed and uh, we were going to build homes on the property. And the town of Amerinick, uh fought this development and won at New York State's highest court. It actually went to the Supreme Court as well, but it was never heard. Unfortunately, this legal process took many years, and, and the course uh, was obviously neglected. When these developers obviously lost, the, the club purchased back the majority stake in 1999 into 2000. And it wasn't until the late, the late Ed Etchells was hired as a club's agronomist in the spring of 2003 uh, to begin uh, Bonnie Breyer's um, revitalization. So Ed had planned this drill and fill process, and it just so happens that it happened on my first day. <laughs> so, How long would you say it took for you and your team to get your programs and philosophies established after stepping into a situation like that? You know, I really never really felt comfortable about the property. It took me about two to three years to really understand the club and the property overall. Um, there again, there was a lot of things going on, you know, as I mentioned before. And, and I still feel that, you know, even like with all the drill and fill we've done, you know, the greens that constantly are changing. Um, you, you add more and more sand over the years. That particular putting surface is much different compared to what it was when I first started at Bonnie Ryer. So, you know, I would say that's pretty consistent throughout the entire course is that you, you do feel comfortable with a lot of things you're doing on a daily basis, but you do change a lot, you know, as the course and the business evolves. I had the uh, pleasure and opportunity to walk the land with you, but I want to hear it in your own words. Uh, describe the land that your team maintains in your own words here, Nick. Sure. 
you know, the Bonnie Briar is 150, 150-acre property. Um, interesting enough that there's 20 acres that's undeveloped in the middle of the course, which is quite rare. Um, there's two rivers that run through the property, which have its own set of issues issues at, uh, at times when we have flooding uh, and heavy rain events. But those rivers actually supply us water to the course that we use on the irrigation system. So it's twofold. We actually benefit but suffer at times as well. The course consists of, of a lot of elevated tees and greens. Uh, these sites consist of bedrock, which, you know, these rock outcroppings, it basically consists throughout the entire golf course, which makes uh, it quite beautiful and enjoy, uh, enjoy to, to maintain and, and view every day. Yeah, and a lot of that bedrock was hidden when you got there. Uh, at what point did you realize that there was really some special stuff above the ground and beneath the ground at Bonnie Briar? I went in to these sites that were basically covered over. They were just, you know, brush. And I went in and slowly, you know, moved stuff away and, and you know, and, and removed all this brush and exposed rock. And, and it really became fun, actually. It was, you know, what site do we go to next? And we found these sites. You know, it was labor-intensive. It was all handwork. But... You know, we've really opened up some great rock outcroppings and exposed some of it and added to the beauty to the, of the course uh, overall. And we, we still have some other sites and things that I'm looking at as we move forward, but obviously the labor situation currently is, is you know, doesn't hold well for that to continue. During the interview process, I was given the opportunity to walk the property. Um, and I kind of knew then that, you know, Bonnie Breyer and, and, the, and the site was, was pretty special. You know, the fact that the club is located within a stone's throw of several top 100 courses um, certainly, certainly, it was great to, to to be in that kind of neighborhood. You know, obviously, the, the the club being focused now on making the course great was certainly important. And obviously, I needed time and money, and I had the support. So um, it's been it's been um, it's been great. And you know, as we've moved forward through these years, uh, to continue to improve um, playability and the overall member experience as they as they make their round uh, throughout the course. How about your own career, Nick? What led to you launching a career in the golf industry and ultimately landing at Bonnie Bar? Yeah, I took up the game of golf early. My father introduced it to me. Um, I actually joined. I went on to join the high school golf team where I, you know, obviously played and enjoyed being out on the golf course. And then, um, you know, my brother actually introduced me to a position that was open at, um, at TPC River Highlands in, in Cromwell, Connecticut, and that was back in 1991. And then I was, you know, obviously a part of the grounds crew, and um, you know, that that was that kind of got me the itch, you know, got me the itch uh, of the business. I really enjoyed working outside and experiencing that. The fact that they hosted a a, a PGA event yearly um, was great. I got you know a chance to experience the PGA Tour. Uh, they were doing major construction uh, on changing some hole that they took down to the river. Um, so the Canning Green of Hartford Open is what it was called then. Um, was just a, a eye-opening experience, and I really enjoyed it and sort of fell in love. And it was shortly thereafter where I, I enrolled uh, at UMass Amherst to, to begin my studies in, in turf. And from there, Nick, where, where did you go before getting to Bonnie Briar, and what le- led you to Bonnie Briar? What attracted you about the job? Well, they interned um, uh, two summers at the Connecticut Golf Club in Easton, Connecticut, mm-hmm. and then um, followed that superintendent, Mike Miner, over to uh, Montana in Alpine, New Jersey, and then took my first assistant position at uh, um, Lake Over National, which is now Glen Arbor and Bedford Hills, New York. And then I proceeded uh, to take another assistant position at um, Canyon Club, uh, which is in Armour, New York. And then from there, 
after six years as an assistant there, um, I took the head golf course superintendent's position here at Bonnie Breyer in 2003. Nearly two decades as the golf course superintendent at the same club in your part of the country is quite the run. In your view, what's the key to our listeners for establishing that type of longevity in their own careers? Yeah, I think the key is you really have to love what you do every day. It has to be a passion. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you have to have that passion to get up at those hours and work those those long days. Um, you know, I, I really think that you have to have a personality that works well with anyone. You know, here at Bonnie Breyer, the, the Greens chairman changes, you know, every few years. The club president changes every two years. You have to really understand those individuals and their goals for the course um, while also educating them, you know, on what we do on a daily basis. That is that is difficult, and you need to be really flexible um, and willing to adapt um, to each of those individuals' personalities. Um, I, I really feel that that's really, really important. Um, uh, so, and the, and the last, I, the last important um, point I wanted to make was, you know, I really think for a superintendent, to have started as a laborer, it's really important as you make your way up into the superintendent's position to, to you know, not properly manage your 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 employees. Uh, having been there and been a laborer at one point, it's easy to to manage your guys, and and, and you you obviously understand the daily grind of what it takes to maintain a golf course. And working with those employees and knowing how to manage them is is certainly important. Nick. For our listeners that haven't been to Westchester County, New York, what is unique and challenging about your growing environment? And you certainly saw some of those challenges here in 2022. Yeah, yeah. Bonnie Briar is um, basically grown on bedrock. So Demro Emmett didn't leave me much topsoil uh, <laughs> at this particular site. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a difficult um, site to maintain with all the elevations in the bedrock. Um, so it does require a lot of hand watering of sites, uh, fairways and rough that or, you know, don't offer much topsoil. We have done, um, through our construction over the years, improved some of that. Um, so that's gotten better, but it's still a difficult site um, on that end. Um, the course is predominantly POA, um, and, again, POA is a great playing service, but um, doesn't handle the extremes very well. Um, and as you know, we certainly get the extremes here, you know, on the East Coast with, you know, very, very hot and humid um, conditions during the summer. But... Um, the winters can be difficult, and um, that can lead to um, you know some some serious depth if, if the winter weather is as, as bad as the summer. Um, I've actually had more sleepless winters than I have summers. Um, at least in the summer, I have tools that I can you know help uh, get us through those difficult times. Whereas in the winter, you, you don't have labor, you don't have the ability to get out to these sites and see what exactly is going on. So. That can be a challenge uh, for sure. So, and then obviously the other challenge for for, for me at Bonnie Briar is to, you know, with my neighbors, um, I've got to keep up with the Joneses. You know, everyone's competing for new members. The course has got to be comparable to the surrounding clubs. So, um, that's difficult. I think it's safe to say that every golf operation in the United States has changed in some way since March of 2020. How have you changed your operation, Nick, in the last two and a half years? Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, you've got to be flexible and willing to adapt um, to whatever comes your way. You know, take it one moment at a time. You know, we're constantly dealing, dealing with challenges um, in, in all different areas. If it's, um, 
you know, from the membership to department heads and other golf pro general managers, you know, it's, it, you've got to have an open mind at all times and being flexible. Um, certainly dealing with less labor to complete, complete tasks, you know, certainly have been a real issue recently. And, you know, I'm actually using triplexes instead of hand mowers um, was, was, you know, one of those scenarios where that's, you know, a change that we had to make. Um, you know, I think the other uh, issue is the, really keeping your key employees motivated. I, yeah, we're doing more with less, and your key employees are picking up a lot of that that workload. So, you know, keeping those individuals um, happy and, and working and, and motivated is, is really important. Those 12 to 14-hour days um, during the stretch is, is, are not easy. And, uh, you know, you know as well as I, the the employees have more control than ever, and they have choices, more choices than ever, and it's uh, that adds to the superintendent's um, um, that workload. You know, as far as getting, getting, keeping guys happy and, and and motivated and doing the right things on the course. You mentioned going to the triplex. What other technical tactics have worked for you over the last two and a half years to get the job done and still produce the high-level product that you want to produce? So the uh, the biggest change was for me was changing from mowing greens by hand and going to using a triplex. I had never used the triplex to mow greens um, prior and, uh, you know, on a daily basis. And uh, Bonnie Breyer has small elevated greens complexes that are, are difficult to mow. And I, I you know, but I, I really, at that point, I had no choice. I really had to, you know, with no labor, I had to go and, and, and pursue a you know, a triplex greens mower. Uh, I actually rented one in early 2020 to start the season. Um, but at the same time, Toro was introducing the 3370 um, e-triplex to the market. So it was an easy decision to purchase the unit, um, you know, as as, as we, we you know, went into 2020 with, without labor. Yeah, and we recently did a survey, Nick, that 80% of uh, U.S. golf facilities now are using triplexes to mow greens. What in particular about the Toro Greenmaster E Triflex 3370 led to you integrating it into the operation? What did you like about the machine? Well, I'll say first and foremost, it was really the not having labor was certainly uh, the first important aspect of what I still needed to maintain a golf course was getting more rounds than ever with everyone home. Um, so having a you know a triplex to mow greens was was pivotal. Um, so that was really the first thing of not having labor. Um, the second really most important issue, too, was no noise. Um, you know, I went to lithium ion um, really just because of the noise ordinance that the town of Marinick, um requires that I follow. Um, so, you know, it, it, it does clearly say that if they, uh, anything powered by an internal combustible engine um, is in, vi- in violation of, of the noise ordinance. So not having an engine um, was certainly important. So I can basically mow greens now at any hour. I, you know, I've thought about coming in even earlier at certain events. I couldn't do that in the past, whereas now I can come in at 5 a.m. if I need to and, and mow and, and complete tasks if there's an event um, that requires me to do so. So, And then at the same time, I'm completing a task while keeping our neighbors happy, which is certainly, certainly good. Um, the last is, is the last important issue to me, which I felt was really, really, really important, was that the fact that it doesn't have any grease fittings or any hydraulic hoses. You know, I really feel that many of our problems on the golf course are self-inflicted. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of these 
issues or leaks and, and hydraulic issues that are common that are you know that happen on our turf and our playing surfaces. And I've with this purchase, I've basically eliminated that that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny. A few years ago, I purchased a, a set of triplex ferry machines. You know, and I had these units out there for maybe 10 hours, and I had a hydraulic leak occur. And it wasn't wasn't that the hose was bad. It's just that a seal had not been properly installed. But, you know, it just goes to show that even new equipment um, can lead to those type of um, uh, issues, which are, you know, obviously very visual. And, um, you know, it takes a long time to recover. So... You know, having something like the the 3370 eliminates all those issues and concerns that I've had. What's the morning like with the triplexes on the course on a non-event day? What's the morning like, and what's your labor situation when you have them going out there in the morning? So, you know, I send out one mower. Um, It depends if it's a weekend or a weekday. But during the weekday, um, we send out one mower. He usually goes in order, and I send an individual out um, to make the cleanup pass. And then depending on uh, tee times, I will send a third person, but that varies. Usually the individual mowing the cleanup passes with a hand mower will blow and, um, and, and clean putting surfaces of any debris. Uh, but it's usually a two- to three-man job, whereas before with mowing, with hand mowing, it was at least five. So, um, and, it, and it can make, he makes good, good time. And um, frankly, overall, if you look at the, the end product, uh, it's comparable to a hand mower. You know, I, I my first year with the 3370, I was a little skeptical of, of what the membership would um, react and how they felt of mowing and greens with a triplex. And the results came back great. They, they felt there was really not much of a difference in the, in the role. Um, so at that point, I was, you know, I was, I was sold and, and certainly happy that, you know, they, they supplied me the same quality of cut, you know, on a daily basis. So you and your colleagues have so much to do with these spikes in play and the labor situation not being what it was a while ago. Uh, how important is it, though, to make time to learn about new products and services considering the tight labor environment? Let's put it this way. Without COVID, I would have never considered mowing greens with a triplex. So I, I feel it's really important to stay current uh, with new products. I, I probably wasn't doing enough of that uh, as a superintendent. Um, but, you know, now that I've gone through that, um, you know, I, I really wasn't aware that at the time that they were actually coming out with a triplex. I'd never really considered mowing greens with a triplex. But um, with the quality of cut that we're getting on a daily basis and the fact that I'm using less labor uh, to complete that task, it's a, it was um, it's a win-win. So I, I, I've got to learn to stay active and be current with new products for sure. You've achieved a lot in your nearly two decades at Bonnie Briar. What do you like to accomplish in 2023 and beyond to further elevate the golf course? I would love to have a full crew. So that's my first goal. <laughs> you and 14,000 other superintendents, Nick. Yeah. So that's really uh, the most important. Um, but going forward, we really want to really focus on um, – Outside of the fairways, tees, and greens, that's you know incorporating more bluegrass rough, um, more irrigation to to allow for those sites to be um, much more playable. Um, we want to add you know clear some areas out, some tree 
some trees and, and create some more open space to, to install and plant fescue to enjoy that to, to enjoy that uh, for the membership. They're sort of that's sort of growing um, with the memberships more fescue on the course. So opening areas up, maybe removal of some more trees, and also improving the rough. Um, on the technical side, I would say you know continue continue the the use of the moisture meters uh, out onto the fairways. Um, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, you know the bedrock in areas um, does cause areas to dry out quicker than others. So you know just fine tuning our watering on our fairways. We, we do a great job on the tees and greens, um, but the fairways we've got to learn to um, you know spend some more time. On, and, and fine-tuning our moisture levels within our fairways. But again, all of these all of these tasks uh, obviously depend on staffing. Um, the, the last, and I feel another important goal here is to really begin on planning for additional housing. Um, and it's not only for for me, but also for the club. You know, if it's kitchen staff, you know, first tea staff, first shop staff. You know, housing, Westchester County, very expensive area to live just 20 minutes north of New York City. Um, it's difficult to find help. We need to move forward with finding and, and figuring on plans for, for housing of staff. And that is going to be really important for for the club going forward. Well, Nick, this was great to have you on the podcast. I really enjoyed seeing Bonnie Breyer earlier this year, and it was great to catch up again. And congratulations on everything you and the team have achieved. You know, Guy, I did want to mention – that it's great that these type of articles are written. Mm-hmm. You know, um, much of the focus is on our larger, more recognized clubs. So this allows superintendents like myself an opportunity to showcase the course. So thank you.